0: This week's episode of Discovering Trek is dedicated to the loving memory of Echo Shafsky. Until one has loved and been loved by a dog, a part of one's soul remains unawakened. Rest in peace, sweet Echo.
1: Coconut!
2: The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for discovering Trek listeners. Fansets. Our pins have character. A budding friendship, a daring rescue,
0: and a heartbreaking betrayal. Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery continues to take us literally where no Star Trek show has gone before. Last week, the USS Discovery and her crew returned to Starfleet and began to have a positive outlook of their future in the future. But this week sends Michael on a daring rescue mission that could cost a lot more than she anticipated. What'll happen when she faces the Emerald Chain? Well, let's find out. Welcome aboard, everyone. My name is Dan Davidson, and we are Discovering Trek. Welcome, one and all, to Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Universe companion, presented by Fansets. Last week, Discovery finally found Starfleet and helped prove that they're still worthy of helping, and this week, they continue to show the Admiral that they are ready for whatever he throws at them. Well, that is until Burnham jeopardizes it all by heading off on a rescue-slash-scavenger mission to unlock more mysteries of the Burn. As always, this is the premier podcast for the most in-depth discussion and analysis about the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery entitled Scavengers. And as we near the halfway point of the season, it seems the writers are setting us up for some major moments in the coming weeks. And here to help me break it all down is a very special friend in person. Believe me, if we were trapped as slaves on some strange planet with exploding discs attached to the back of our head, I would do everything possible... To make sure that he was the one to test its range and not me. As always, he is my very special friend, my brother in Trek, and my amazing number one. He did a great job filling in for me last week. His name is Bill Smith. And buddy, lots to unpack this week. Lots to unpack. How you doing?
2: Stay here. I'll be back, Dan. <laughs> It's it's good to be here. I figure if we're going to get a little uh, homage to the running man in this week's episode, I may as well come on doing our Schwarzenegger, although not nearly as good as you do, buddy. It's good to have you back.
0: It's great to be back. You guys were phenomenal last week. Thank you so much. Uh, I had to uh, jet off to Florida for some uh, stuff with my dad who's having some health issues, but I'm back in New Hampshire. Glad to be back here, and I'm glad that uh, I missed him last week, and I would have missed him last week anyway because Sarah was on, but he did a great job filling in, and I think you're about to bring him on the show right now.
2: I am, and when you say he did a great job, I'm not sure we're talking about the same person, but this week we welcome back <laughs> the lovely and talented Casey Schafsky into the third chair. Casey, it's good to see you again this week, buddy. Hey, everybody.
1: We've got the trilogy going on. Three weeks, I get to hang out with most of y'all.
0: I know. What's up with that? we got to figure out a way that that doesn't ever Happening again, man. <laughs> <Again, laughs> yeah, right, absolutely. Well, I feel so
1: welcome. Thank you. <laughs> no, it,
0: it, it's really great to have you uh, back again, man. Uh, we're going to have a good discussion. Uh, and before we actually start that discussion, guys, we always want to hear from our listeners about their thoughts on everything discovery, discovery, not just this week's episode. So, Bill, how can they get in touch with us for their thoughts on scavengers or
2: anything else discovery related?
1: Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel.
2: Well, we spend a lot of time talking about Star Trek, and we would truly love to hear what you think. Of course, you can go to trekgeeks.com slash contact and find a variety of ways to get us your thoughts. And on Twitter or the Book of Faces, all you have to do is search for Discovering Trek and you'll find us. We welcome your questions, comments, and what you think about all of those brand new upgrades to the USS Discovery. That should be some interesting reading. You can also leave us a voicemail by visiting our website at trekgeeks.com and clicking on the big blue button. Please remember, though, that any comments you leave us might be used in a future episode of Discovering Trek. Dan.
0: Thank you, Bill. Black Alert. Black Alert. From here on in, this episode of Discovering Trek contains spoilers. So if you haven't watched Episode 6 of Star Trek Discovery Season 3, stop listening right now. Head on over to CBS All Access or wherever you watch Discovery, Watch the latest episode, then head back on over to Discovering Trek. Failure to do that puts you at risk to find out plot developments and character details for Scavengers.
2: Episode 306 of Star Trek Discovery, Scavengers, is written by Ann Kofel Saunders and directed by Doug Arniakoski. After receiving a message from Book, Burnham and Georgiou embark on a rogue mission to find him, leaving Saru to pick up the pieces with Admiral Vance. Meanwhile, Stamets forms an unexpected bond with Adira. Originally released on November 19th, 2020, it is the sixth episode of Star Trek Discovery's third season. Trainees,
1: to the briefing room.
0: Well, gentlemen, we always love to gather here in the Briefing Room to start our discussion on this week's episode. So let's get our high-level thoughts, thumbs up or thumbs down and why. I'll start off this week. I'm going to give it a a thumbs up. Uh, There were some parts of the episode that I really liked, and there were parts of the episode that I didn't. Uh, The episode had a, a lot going on, and I think it may have suffered a bit because of that. But there were some parts that really nailed it for sure, Casey.
1: Yeah, I hear you. For this episode, I, I give no thumbs either way. I am just flat horizontal on this. Uh, the episode had me indifferent to it, except for a couple of spectacular scenes and Michelle Yeoh.
2: Yeah, I have to agree. You know, originally I said thumbs down, but after hearing Casey, I think I have to agree with him. I've got one thumbs up for some some wonderful scenes this week, especially involving Stamets and Adira and Gray and like like Casey said, Michelle Yeoh, and then thumbs down for a whole bunch of other things. So I think I'm kind of wash this week at a flat neutral, Dan.
0: Yeah, I've been hearing and reading a lot this week about uh, people's reactions, and I'm It's the same thing. I gave it a one thumbs up. I didn't differentiate one or two. I did give it a one. Um, It wasn't my favorite episode of the season, and a lot of people are saying the same thing. It was just kind of fell flat, or there were only some certain parts that were good. So it'll be an interesting discussion. and um, So let's kick off that discussion, and let's just get it out of the way first, guys, because I know that there's been a ton of discussion about it online. People's heads are exploding. (laughs) See what I did there? Um, (laughs) The USS Discovery... NCC 1031-A. Huh? Yeah. A? A lot of stuff a. going on about that. Um, people are saying, well, that's not what it was in Calypso, and, and why is it named the A? Here's my take on it, and then we're going to obviously get into the discussion. The Enterprise, original Enterprise, was not renamed the A after it did its refit. This was a refit, so should it have been renamed the A? Probably not, but what I'm thinking is, for all intents and purposes, the nine hundred and thirty years in the future, discovery was destroyed a thousand years ago, and star date whatever the star date was, I can't remember it. so why not launch a new ship and have it be the discovery a That's what I'm thinking might be the case. I don't know if we're ever going to get any explanation on why it was renamed with an A, but I know it's causing a whole lot of angst out in social media bill
2: i I, I agree with you I don't think it needs an explanation. Um, I think the one you give is, is perfectly plausible. You know, the ship was destroyed a thousand years ago. Um, the A is meant to signify a next generation of the ship. And with all the upgrades it's received, it is practically a different ship. It looks the same in many ways internally, but on the outside, even the hull plating has changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mm-hmm. engines. We got the the detached warp nacelles, which I still don't understand. No, I do um, <laughs> You know, a, a, among an entirety of other changes. So I'm fine with it. I I think that it opens up a, a world of of new possibilities for this ship. Uh, regarding the Calypso angle, um, I can't believe how many people are losing their damn minds over that. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I mean it's let's take the real world explanation first and then I'm going to go back to Star Trek explanation in the real world. I think that Alex Kurtzman just fell in love with the idea of setting discovery a thousand years in the future after Michael Chabon's Calypso. I think that's honestly what happened and everything else that's happened now is retcon. Of course, um, Calypso didn't have an A on the hull of the discovery. Right. So that begs the question, did that happen in a different timeline? And that's entirely possible. Could that have happened outside the fabric of the prime timeline? Yes, absolutely. So that's, that's kind of where I'm taking it, um, aside from the fact that it's just it's a mistake and it's retconning.
0: That's exactly what I was going to say. Or, because it happens, because we're all human, maybe it was just a mistake. And it's not like that's never happened before in Star Trek history. Uh, from 1960, 66, all the way up till now. So,
2: Well, since Shabon said initially that he wanted Calypso to, quote, stand apart from the fabric of Star Trek and be its own standalone story, I have to believe that it was never intended for that to become a part of Star Trek's future, at Mm -hmm. least based on his own words in an interview, I think, with CNET back in the day. I think that Kurtzman just wanted it to be that way, and that's fine. I have no problems with that, but it does create that obvious vacuum. And that's why I say maybe it's a different timeline.
0: Yeah. Maybe Could we'll be. find out. So, so Casey, uh, wh- while mm. we're talking about the Discovery A, of course, it was pretty cool to see all the different upgrades that the ship has gotten, both interior and exterior. The um, Like Bill said, I'm never going to understand the detached warp nacelles. Supposedly, it's supposed <laughs> yeah. to help with better warp technology. But if you don't have dilithium to travel at warp or you only have a certain amount... What's the big deal? And Discovery certainly doesn't need to have warp drive because it's got the spore drive. I think it's just kind of a cool moment that you could show the programmable matter separating the, the warp mm-hmm. engines from the Discovery. But what else did you like about that scene where we saw all the different upgrades that were going on with the ship?
1: Well, I, I really liked that it seemed that the Federation and Starfleet gave an actual reason for this ship to not be a violation, obvious violation of the temporal accords. You call it the A, you give it current technology, okay? And that way, it's not instantaneously like, what What the hell is this thing? How, where did this come from? So, all all the new tricked out stuff gives their, uh, you know, a plausibility to, to this ship, um... And, you know, some of these some of these upgrades are pretty cool. They I are. dig them. Yeah. Uh, but but that, pro, you know, like the nacelles not on the ship. I just like how are they held on? And if it's certain things, it's like what if a system fails and you're doing whatever and one of your nacelles or both of them just gone? And where's then you're the, right. Where's you're, the warp plasma go? Right. You're adrift. It makes it doesn't make sense to me.
0: I think you. I kind of wish that Bill's name was Nail because you just kind of hit the nail right on the head. That's what everybody was. Yeah, you're welcome. That's what. That's a lot of people have been talking about. I will say the technology that I love. We've talked about programmable matter in different shows, but I love the new com badges. They got a lot going on with them. I just think it's kind of neat that. Um, kind of complicated off because it's a what, okay let's see if we can get all this mm. right and Bill correct me if I'm wrong because you're, you're nodding and shaking your head they're a communicator mm-hmm. they're a mm-hmm. tricorder yep they're a uh, personal transporter mm-hmm. uh, what am I missing hollow holopad uh, they got a lot going on, and and they seem to activate just by the person thinking about it. Because we saw that happen with Tilly.
2: Yeah, you're you're forgetting the holopad point.
0: Holopad, yes, that yeah. too.
2: Um, here's my concern with these new devices: um, are, are they are, are they great? You know, um, storytelling devices. Yes, absolutely. But Star Trek has never been a slave to the technology that's been in the universe. And it's never the technology has never really distracted from the story. And I think this week, it was a distraction. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a little bit over the top. Could it be that you could have a communicator, tricorder, and holopad all on the same device? Yes. I still don't understand the need for a personal transporter or how the hell it works. And I would be Linus. In any of these situations, (laughs) Um, you know, I tap my badge twice, and I would wind up—I don't know—in the middle of a road somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I I don't get it.
0: How do they? How do they? If they're using a personal transporter, is it like somehow like like fused to your cerebellum so that you just think of where you need want to go, and then you'll go there? Because that's what was going on with Linus, and and I got to say that was a little overtapped. I got a little. I got a little cheesy at the end after like what the fourth time it happened yeah, or yeah third yeah time. Um, but yeah that, good questions um, it, it, I think I think the special effects aspect of it having all that stuff right in front of them and, and how how the programmable matter and the and the and the tr- and the um, combat kind of adjust to the person that's using it
1: mm-hmm. I thought that
0: was kind of a an interesting take on a casey
1: it it is i I think a very just straight out technical issue is now that you have these things that come in front of the actor's faces and distort it i found that hugely distracting and instead of it being you know maybe a foot or so down from eye level on them so we can still clearly see their faces um
2: ah,
1: you know i just look at that and i go well Okay, now like Bill said, now I'm just looking at the technology and I'm not paying near as much to the the actor. Okay? And what they're doing—that
0: sense. It, it makes perfect sense. I was going to say, don't we usually get that on the bridge? But then you then you said how it's a little bit down from the camera. So like when the communications station, you see all that stuff in front of the actor, but you still see like a little bit of him above that. So I can I can see where you're going with. Well,
2: that. and even then, there's enough clear space on the bridge stations so that you can obviously see the actor's face. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't obstruct what's going on in the scene. I thought that it was interesting how all of these fossils, and by fossils, I mean the Discovery crew, were able to take to this technology <laughs> like that. Instantly, yeah. right? Instantly. Yeah, okay, maybe it took three weeks, but whatever. Uh, Tilly's using it like she was born with it, and that's great, but it's, I think three weeks is, is a bit of a short time frame. Maybe it should have been three months. That would be okay. more realistic. Yeah, that'd be a lot more realistic. Yeah. I, you know, I, Working with, with people in technology like I do, Nobody learns anything in three weeks.
0: <laughs> uh, no. Sometimes nobody learns technology ever. Yeah, it's anyway. true. <laughs> so, hey, it's okay.
1: I figured out my fax machine last week.
0: <laughs> With your 9,200 baud modem. Um, so let's get to the story. There were several different storylines going on. I want to save my favorite for last, so we'll talk about Stamets later on. But let's talk about um, the rescue mission. Uh, with Burnham, directing, uh, disobeying direct orders from Saru, and we'll get into that aspect later on. What did you guys think about this whole idea of going and fighting the Emerald Chain, bringing Georgiou on? Because Burnham knew that she was going to be the only one that would say yes to going on that mission. It's, it's She acted as if she wanted to talk her into it, but you, you knew damn well that that Philippa was going to go on it right from the get-go. Um did, do you think that this whole thing worked? Uh I, the, the, some of the scenes with Philippa or or with Michelle were just absolutely fantastic. And I I'll get into my commendations about her later, but it just it didn't seem it didn't seem great to me. Casey, I yeah. see you nodding your head, so what do you think?
1: It 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 felt very uh done before. <laughs> type of a thing, and it's like, hey, we're going to go on a rescue mission, and hey, there'll be somebody who's become a a, a close friend really quick to one of the characters, and hey, they'll be put in peril, and hey, what's going to happen is they'll sacrifice themselves for somebody else. And it's just, we've, we've seen this before. And, I mean, I love a good heist flick and certain things like that, and it just, it didn't even rise to that for me. And it was... I just kept going there's no drama here we, we know the beats that are coming up before it happens and so it, that's where I was indifferent it just it fell flat
2: for me Bill you along the same lines oh uh, absolutely I mean I felt like these the, that whole scene on the planet was largely filler um, for what they needed to get out of it which was another black box which is neither black nor a box by the way True. Yeah. Uh, much like they are on airplanes, uh, right? And why they're still called black boxes is a little crazy to me, but that's a story for another time. I felt like that whole bit was forced. Um, like Casey said, it was predictable. It hit all the type, you know, the same beats. I, I initially, when they got down to the planet, and they're they're at the I don't know what you want to call that place because it looks like a mine. Honestly, yeah. it looks like Boston sand and gravel, <laughs> yeah. um, and that's it. Took me right out of it. Um, Because I'm like, okay, we're in the year 3188. All right, I'm with you. That is a mid-20th century mining facility. And Mm -hmm. no matter what they do, they can't make it look any different than a mid-20th century mining facility. Um, And it took me right out of everything going on on the planet. Um, The the beats with fighting the Emerald Chain, like Casey said, were predictable. It was all paced well. Um, we, We got some great character moments in there. Um, but uh, largely, it, it it was a disappointment to me in that aspect.
0: I find it interesting. I've, I, I I actually said this to Sue when we were watching. Whenever we and I'm, this is interesting. I'm going to relate it to Star Wars. With Star Wars, the Empire's shiny and everything's great and looks awesome and brand new and it's probably got that new car smell and all that stuff. But whenever we're dealing with other anything other than the Empire in Star Wars, it's din- dingy. Stuff is broken down. They're always looking for parts. That's what I thought with this mining facility. There was Mm. a Guitar Hero guitar in all of the stuff that they were looking for. (laughs) Oh, wow. Like a Nintendo or Commodore or some kind of gaming control. There was some stuff posted on Twitter which showed some of this stuff. And the the guy who played Rin, who was actually uh, Mary Wiseman's husband, um, was Mm -hmm. showing some of these behind the scenes saying uh, what were in these scavenger bins. And it seemed... Like, it's something that we've seen over and over and over again. Now, Bill, you made some great points. Some of the stuff was well-paced. There was some good action, some great special effects, and good character development. But it seems like it's something we've seen before, not only in Star Wars, but also in Star Trek.
2: Every planet that we've encountered so far is the most isolated spaceport in Star Wars. Yeah. It's a wretched hive of scum and villainy. And um, there's there's no hope. Now, I, we've said since the beginning of the season that Discovery is going to bring the hope back to the Federation, and we covered that kind of a little bit last week with Saru's look-up speech, but uh, everything is dark and, and dismal, and the Emerald Chain runs half the galaxy, it seems, and um, it's a pretty seedy place, and I didn't get a whole lot out of that. It was it was as predictable as in the season premiere when Book and Burnham went to um, Sanctuary.
0: Okay. I I, I totally agree with you, and and it seems like we're all on the same page. While we're talking about that aspect of the episode, let's talk about Philippa a little bit. Obviously, Kovic did something to her. We don't know what yet. He triggered something somehow. Was it just something as simple as his glasses weren't really regular glasses? Something happened during that debriefing, in my opinion, that is causing her to have these moments of freezing and having you know she collapsed a couple of times in this week's episode so what i don't i don't know if i want to get into what do you think it is yet because that's something that we can do in long-range scans or something like like that but did you also think that it was an ex, extremely convenient writing apparatus for her to freeze at the moment she did during
1: the battle casey because that's what oh, i y- thought oh yeah. Absolutely, it was like if if you're gonna be writing this and you go what let me pick what the worst moment would be for her to freeze, it, it it's right there, and uh yeah that just was I mean I love Michelle Yeoh and I I want to know what is happening here, but this story was it, it just kept feeling like you know those paint by number pictures. No. That that's how certain scenes felt for me. It's like we see the entire picture already, but oh, but we're we're coloring it in right now, and so yeah, that was a very easy point for her to be dropping out of whatever reality right then and there.
2: I don't think that COVID did anything to her. I think that she is suffering from something that is occurring naturally within the universe because like Kovac said, there hasn't been a crossover in 500 years. That leads me to believe that humans in the mirror universe no longer exist. And there's probably Mm. something between the dilation between the two universes or the the distance between the two universes that is causing her to feel this way. And the only way they can correct it, and this goes back to my long-range scan next week, is to get Giorgio back. Giorgio has to go back to... Um, the original Discovery era in order for this to be righted because that's her time period. Mm -hmm. Because she keeps, they've said a couple of times, she keeps jumping timelines and time periods. And I have a feeling that's not going to play too well on O. So the only way they can get her back for a Section 31 series is to get her back.
0: So, uh, of course, they're uh, they're together in this episode in book ship um, for a reason, and that is to get the non black box that they get, but also to rescue book. I gotta say, I like the book character. Yep. I, I yes. Think he's he's. I think he's great. Um. I think he's good for for Michael. Uh. They definitely have a chemistry when they're on screen. So it was really good to see. Um. And I want to see more of him. Bill, what, what, well, I want to see more of him in the show. I should put it that way. But Bill, what do you think? <laughs> he's a, he's
2: a good looking man. Let's is see more is. of him. He's a good looking guy. I'll see more of him. That's fine. Yep. Um, I think that it's easier to explain Michael's detachment if she's in love with Book. And I think that's pretty evident after 100% this 100% agree. It's not that she essentially let everybody go because that was just hard to swallow. Michael Burnham is Starfleet through and through. Um, you know, she's the reason they're there in the future. You know, she didn't just have a year off and go, ah, I don't really want to do the Starfleet thing anymore. I don't know if my heart's in it. No, she waited every day for discovery to show up. And now that she's back on discovery, she realizes that that year she had with book was it, Mm -hmm. you know, that was, that was Mm -hmm. where she wanted to be. So I, I think that's what's at play here. I like what book means for her i like book the character i think david ajala is fantastic in this role and star trek could use a little good-hearted scoundrel that's also an eco warrior quite frankly
0: Mm -hmm. i love the eco i've always loved the eco warrior aspect of the character and i hope we get to see to see more of that so so she goes against saru's direct orders and does what she does and then we have to see the ramifications of that. And I got to say, I am, I am totally heartbroken for Captain Saru. Doug Jones is so awesome, and Saru is such a great character, and it seems that he's always being disappointed by Burnham, ever since the first episode of Discovery, and I'm going to talk about this later on in the show. But I, I got to say, what she keeps doing to him when is enough is enough? And even what he did at the end of this episode by saying, you're not my first officer anymore. You're chief science officer, and that's all you are to work on.
2: There's got to be another shoe that's going to drop at some point, Bill. Do you agree? I, I think there has to. Um, I think at some point um, it, it's got to be big, and I think it'll probably wind up being something closer to the season finale. I have no idea what, but yeah. clearly Michael is on a build up to something. And I think that she's got to know the cause of the burn, and that may span into next season. Who knows? Casey?
1: Yeah, how many times do you get kicked in the teeth and, and keep waiting for the, the next boot to come? That was, that was part of the storytelling, which I, I didn't fully understand with her decision-making on there. Um, so that, that writing kind of confused me because it felt very much of the character really reverting back to, I know what's right, I'm the only one who knows what's right, I'll be the one to do it, and even taking on many things that the character does, okay, but this was, once again, I'm going to do what I want and screw what happens to supposedly one of my closest friends. Mm -hmm. Right, absolutely. And, And how many times has Saru, A, given
0: her the benefit of the doubt, and B, spoken to her in a way to say, look this is This is borderline. You need mm-hmm. to change your course of action because things are going to worse it 's happened several times in this season alone, and yet it 's falling on deaf ears in my mind and Who was it? Was it uh, Hugh who said that michael 's got what was it a responsibility complex or or I forget she's what she 's a he responsibility it. hoarder exactly yeah. and it seems that that 's the case and now she 's just she 's so non starfleet and and i I expressed my disappointment to my wife when we were watching the episode. Um, and I think it I think she said, well, Kirk did things he wasn't supposed to do. And I'm like, well, that's true, but Mm -hmm. it was few and far between right now. It seems Michael's doing it every week.
2: Well, but was it few and far between with Kirk? Because there were many times that Kirk would do things and Starfleet orders would just catch up to him sort of saying, yeah, that's okay. And in the movies, (laughs) Kirk Mm -hmm. was doing whatever the hell he wanted all the time. Right. So I, 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 I almost think that's a fair comparison. Um, Cisco does his own thing all (laughs) the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cisco poisons a planet and there's no fallout. right. So uh, I can believe that Michael Burnham is still, she's very, like Casey said, she's regressed. She's very much season one Vulcan. Hello. Battle of the binary stars, Michael Burnham, where she's the only one who's right. And she's the only one with the plan. I agree with Casey 100%. Look at that, Casey, finally. Hey!
0: It's
1: only <laughs> <taken> <laughs> how many episodes? I know, <laughs> k- I, a kudo. I'm not used to this.
0: <laughs> All right, the last thing that I want to talk about, and certainly going to open the floor to you guys if you want to talk about something afterwards, is what I consider to be the best parts of this episode. And I think you'll agree with me. And that is the Stamets, Adira, and Gray scenes of this week. These episodes, or, or excuse me, these parts of the episode were brilliantly acted, wonderfully scored. You saw the emotion. Everybody seems to really hit it off well on on the set and they they feed off of each other. And Stamets, this was this was by far my favorite Anthony Rapp episode uh, with what he did. Mm. He wasn't in a lot of the episode, but the parts that he were in were so far superior than the rest of the episode that he was just spectacular, Bill. What do you think?
2: I, I can't agree any more than that. I mean, it, it's it, it, they were the most beautiful parts of this episode. And they were also the scenes that weren't obfuscated by technology. They were the yes. scenes that were about people. And the technology played a secondary role. And I thought that it was wonderful character growth for everybody involved. Mm. It really helped me keep this episode in perspective because this aspect was, and which I'll talk about later in the, um, in the, uh, sensor analysis section is all about trust. There are so many levels of trust going on in that scene that it is a beautiful thing to watch. There are new friendships being formed. There are this new family being formed here. And, uh, it, it really was beautiful to see.
0: Casey, one of the things that I liked, in addition to the Adira scenes, the one in the Adira scene in the mess hall was was by far my favorite. The one mm. in the in the in the engine room slash Spore drive room was was very good as well. But I got to say, one of the last epi- scenes of the episode, when when he and Hugh were getting ready for bed, that was one that was exceptionally well done between the two. We haven't seen the two like this since way back in season one when they were brushing their teeth and then we saw the little blip of 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 rap, kinda like that little secondary image uh of not, not a rap, but of stamets. Um what what did you think? Do you did you like that one as well as as much as I seem to have liked it also?
1: Oh, absolutely. There was a sincere and sweet quality to these scenes that i think grounded all the other stuff that that was was happening where it was like these these are people and and as we saw in the episode like everybody is changing and certain things are for better of who they are and some not and yeah showing once again two loving caring people together sharing what's going on and and you know, kind of the the little give and take back and forth of seeing when somebody's growing and becoming and being able to, to uh have some playful banter with that is was it's just amazing. And you know, yeah, the Adira Grace Damits scenes <laughs> I mean, people are looking out for each other. <laughs> And they're really and they're going we you know, we're we have to be here for each other. So that that growth is coming on. They were wonderful scenes.
0: Agreed. Um I said that was my last thing, but I lied because I had one more thing that I wanted to bring up. The Sorry. liar. <laughs> yeah, and that's the burn. And I want to get your guys' take mm-hmm. on this. Do you think that Admiral Vance knows a lot more about the burn than he's saying? Because every time Michael brings it up. He's got a look in his eyes where he's, he won't look her in the eye. He's kind of looking down and he tries to change the
2: conversation immediately. Bill, am I off base with that? I don't think you're off base. I just don't agree. Okay. Um, because I think that this is a guy who for his entire career has been having to put out one fire or another every single day of his life. And now that he's the commander in chief of Starfleet, he's got to put out all of the fires. And now he's got Michael Burnham burning a hole in his pocket. Literally, practically. (laughs) And um, it's just, uh, I imagine that he's got a short fuse. I imagine he's weary. And I Mm -hmm. think for me, Mm -hmm. that's what it is. Now, could that be that he has more info? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I just don't necessarily, I'm not on board with with that theory just yet.
1: Okay, that's fine. That's cool. What about you, Casey? Yeah, I mean, I see it two ways. One story-wise, for for a TV show, you can't give away everything too fast. So they're holding on to certain stuff. All right. And like like Bill said, these these people are tired. And if they've been dealing with the burn for however many years, decades, whatever, um, that will weigh you down. And that can even be when, you know, the that topic of discussion just starts to come up where you're like, oh, not not again. It's like, you know, I'm dealing with this all the time. It's like you just don't want to talk about it again and they're having to you know keep building trust with these thousand year old people coming out of nowhere so i mean part of that i kind of go it, it's this you know it's this good combination that makes that character intriguing in that way is i love
0: Vance. you know oh he's so good i love him anything else guys you guys want to bring up we good what
2: do you think? I, I think we're good. I, I think it'll be yeah. good to see Discovery get back on track after this week. Dan, like you said, I think this was setting up things to happen in the next several episodes. Yeah. Um. I just don't think they needed to take a whole episode to do it. Um. The awesome character beats aside, a good chunk of this episode could have been uh, a scene in another episode.
0: Another great discussion, yeah. guys. Well, once again, we've reached the moment of discovering Trek where we take a moment to pause and reflect on those that we've lost in this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery. It's the somber and reflective part of our show, but we feel it's the least we can do for those that have paid the ultimate price. We like to call it the Red Shirt Roll Call. He's dead, Jim. He's dead, Jim. He's dead, John. He's dead, John. He's dead John. So bill buddy, let's see if we can get ahead of things this week uh, in the red shirt roll call oh. <laughs> oh. it's all yours, man. go for it
2: uh, well, let's <laughs> see if we can elevate the conversation here. Oh, well, of course, this week, Dan, the red shirt roll call returns as we bid adieu adieu to you and you and you yeah. to a whole bunch of server oh. a whole bunch of emerald chain stooges as Giorgio and Burnham liberate the laborers. I mean, those guys were getting vaporized <laughs> right and left <laughs> vaporized. Uh, <laughs> It, it as soon as that as soon as book ship was flying you know vertical through the 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 yes. mining yeah. town or whatever it was, that was a pretty amazing shot and you'd just see mm-hmm. them picking off people all over the place Giorgio targeting ships in the air it was it was pretty brutal, lots of it explosions yes. but How can we forget the headstrong Bajoran dude Whose noggin was rather unceremoniously separated From the rest of his torso When he ran past the towers on the planet Hunhao This seemed like an homage to the Paul Michael Glazer film The Running Man That's right, Starsky from Starsky and Hutch Directed Schwarzenegger in The Running Man Ladies and gentlemen (laughs) Poor guy didn't even have a chance And all over water rations Yeah If he'd only used his melon Oh. Oh. Then he'd be standing head and shoulders above oh. everyone else, instead of just well, you know, his shoulders.
1: Oh God! Dan, it's
0: it's great that we can turn the red shirt roll call into such a funny story. <laughs> that was pretty good. Congratulations for making me laugh on the red shirt roll call, Bill. Um, but we will raise a glass of synth hall for all of those that we lost as we say goodbye in this week's red shirt roll call folks, we want to take a moment to thank Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network.
1: As we all continue to deal with the effects of the coronavirus pandemic, we know that small business is an essential part of a recovering economy, and we're proud to support one of the best damn small businesses in the whole darn galaxy, and of course, that's Fansets, whether it's Star Trek, Harry Potter... Batman 66 or a whole ton of other franchises fansets has always put out superior products and with new pins coming out each and every month you are sure to have an ever-expanding collection of great
2: collectible pins and the month of December is certainly no different during December fansets has scheduled some great new releases that you can look forward to adding to your collection and they are a brand new seven of nine micro crew pin in her brown uniform. A brand new bearded Commander Riker Micro Crew pin from TNG. Mm. A happy Badgie pin from Star Trek Glowerdex. Yay, Badgie. Oh, and a mad, murderous, insane, crazy Badgie pin, too. Gotta looks a lot kill like, you. Looks a lot like Dan Davidson. And no. speaking of Badgie, <laughs> he's getting a lot of love no matter what his mood is because the 2020 holiday pin from Fansets will also feature Badgie in all his Yuletide bliss.
0: That is awesome. And it's just an amazing line of December releases, Bill. And also remember that Fansets always has surprise releases that could hit their store at any moment. So be sure to check out their Twitter and Facebook feeds for any special announcements. And hey, everyone, as we record this week's episode, it is Thanksgiving week here in the United States. And we know that this year has been extremely difficult, and we know that the current pandemic situation has all reputable experts imploring people to play it safe and reduce the amount of traveling and attending large gatherings. We certainly want everyone to stay safe and healthy, and we know that this can cause anxiety and stress and sadness being separated from the ones that we love. But if there's one thing to look forward to to take your mind off of all these bad things, it's It's Black Friday. Absolutely, and who doesn't love to save a huge amount of loose on Black Friday? I know I don't mind. And Fansets is just so happy to announce that they will be having big savings on Black Friday this year. Big savings yes. as in 20% off your entire order. Ooh. Yes, I said it right. And on top of that, they're going to have a gaggle of pins. Yes, I said gaggle. They're going to have a gaggle of pins on sale for insane prices, as low as $2.99 a pin. And you heard that right. What? $2.99. Lots of pins are going to be coming out of the vault, and you're going to have the chance to add to your collection and save tons. So head on over to fansets.com and their amazing sale. And of course, when it isn't Black Friday, you still get to save money at fansets.com just for being a Discovering Trek listener. All you need to do is enter the code word Discovering Trek at checkout, except for this week. Um, So no matter what time of the year it is, Fansets and Discovering Trek is always helping you save money while adding to your favorite Star Trek
1: collection. Fansets, our pins have character, and we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of Discovering Trek And the Trek Geeks Podcast Network.
0: Of all the souls I have encountered in my travels, his was the most human. Star Trek has always been a reflection of our times, and in this segment, we take a look at what this episode helped us to discover about humanity or perhaps even what it tells us about ourselves. And uh, Bill, let's start with you this week on what you thought uh, in the sensor analysis.
2: You know, this episode this week said a lot to me about trust, and that none of us gets through life alone, and certainly not without the understanding and help of others. Book has to trust that Burnham will help him. Burnham has to trust that Georgie will assist her. Giorgio has to trust Burnham enough to finally show some vulnerability. Adira has to trust Stamets to, to tell him the truth about what they see and whom they've been talking to. Sometimes as humans, that's just hard to do. We're so proud and stubborn sometimes, but if there's one thing that the future that Star Trek paints tells us is that someone will understand. Dan?
0: Acceptance. It, it's, it's something that's far too lacking in this day and age. It's just so sad that we still have to deal with prejudice and negative thoughts about people simply because we don't understand what it is about them that makes them who they are. But we always have had Trek to show us that the future is one that doesn't have that ugly stigma. And this week was the perfect example of how acceptance is the way of normalcy in the Star Trek universe. Stamets sees Adira talking to, quote, herself and decides to open up a conversation with her. And he doesn't bat an eye when Adira says that Grey, her boyfriend who died, is sitting there with him and having a conversation. He accepts her explanation because he's gone through something similar, and frankly, because it's the right thing to do. How many of us in today's world have seen someone who looks like they are talking to themselves and you just keep walking by because the person was, quote, crazy or weird? It's really sad, and and I'm ashamed to say I've done it myself. But Stamets accepts Adira and believes her. I long for the day when the the out-of-the-ordinary is appreciated instead of ridiculed, when it's understood instead of ignored, and most importantly, when it's accepted instead of shunned. I gotta thank Anthony Rapp and, and Blue Del Barrio so much for showing us and teaching us how we should accept people today. It's a lesson that, sadly, far too many of us need to learn. Casey.
1: Yeah, uh, this week I relearned a hard lesson due to us having to euthanize one of our dogs. And the lesson that was brought forth to me was of generosity of the self and appreciation. Life continues to educate us that our time here is un- unknown, and we gloss over that fact, I think, far too often. Be as generous as you can be while still holding the responsibilities to your family. Our time is really the most precious commodity that we hold. Give time to others. Be generous in your actions towards them. Your sincere words and actions could be the one thing that someone needs right now. And appreciate those around you for all the support, care, kindness, and love that they give you. Reflect on their actions and think about how you can reciprocate back to them. Our actions can be large, public demonstrations of our intentions, or they can be small, private kindnesses. Give pieces of yourself without reserve, and be appreciative and thankful without compromise or ego.
2: Commendation, palm leaf of Axanar Peace Mission, Grand Kite Order of Tactics, Class of Excellence, Terrace
0: Ribbon of commendation. Okay, peeps, it's time for some awards uh, that really don't mean anything, uh, but let's see who you pick this week to receive your Starfleet commendations, and uh, let's see, roll of the dice. Let's start with Bill. Bill, what you got, buddy?
2: Oh, thank you. Well, first you're off, you're I welcome. have to give a Starfleet commendation to the phrase, the bomb, because apparently that has survived into the 32nd <laughs> century when uh, Adira tells Stamets that he's the bomb. Um, yay. Because um, (laughs) now I can start using that phrase again and not have it be ironic. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) But no, in all seriousness, my uh, Starfleet Commendations this week, first I have to say to to Doug Arniakoski, the director of this week's episode, I love Doug's work. And he sets up shots that are beautiful to me. I love that there's always an extreme close-up with a character in the background. I love that perspective. He had some real gorgeous shots on the planet this week uh, just everything all around the pacing the uh, visually everything looked fantastic so Doug hats off to you and then my other commendation this week is to um, someone I'm going to start referring to as my queen and that's Michelle Yeoh. I love Michelle Yeoh. I have always loved Michelle Yeoh, and to have her in Star Trek has been uh, almost a dream come true and Georgia this week got more depth and texture yeah, we got some of the typical Giorgio stuff, um, especially when she's yelling at the Orion guy to form a sentence, which I just about <laughs> spit out my coffee over. But uh, just another great performance. I I want more Michelle Yeoh in Star Trek. I don't care how it happens, um, but I'm just happy that it's happening now.
0: Casey, what you got, buddy?
2: Um, I want to give some props out to the
1: Location Scout or Scouts And the location manager and managers for this episode, um, having to deal with being on location and try to make something look like it's from the future is extremely difficult. And even though, you know, I didn't fully buy it in this episode, I want to commend them for the attempt that they made. Because that's a very hard thing to try and pull off. And then I'm going to echo Bill. Michelle Yeoh. I mean, what she's a force of an actor from... You know, seeing her the first time in Tomorrow Never Dies and like, oh, my God, who, who is this badass who can act as well? And in Discovery, she brings this sly, fun wickedness to her character. And in this episode, yeah, we did see a little bit more range for her and deepen the character of Giorgio.
0: I got a quick question for both you guys before I get into mine, and it goes to Bill's uh, commendation for uh, the direction that was done and and some of the scenes that you talked about, Casey, um, on the planet. Was that a Miranda-class starship that was uh, in orbit when Joe was firing on the other ship? Yes, it was. Yeah. It, that was great. I was like, oh, that's a great callback. I love seeing it. Okay, so uh, my Starfleet commendations for this week, obviously, based on what I talked about in the sensor analysis, I got to give my, hats, uh, my hat off to Anthony Rapp. Um, I don't need to say anything else that I didn't say in the humanity segment. He was just brilliant this week. Um, As with the both of you, I'm also going to give a commendation to Michelle Yeoh. I've kind of been worried that she was just going to be a smart ass bully all season who would make snide comments and kick butt every once in a while. But this week showed how much Michelle is a master at her craft. And I can't wait to see what those incidents she is suffering from are all about. And I'm glad that Michelle will be able to present it to us in her unique style. I thought she was really great. She did have the snide comments and kick butt, but she had another level to her character this week, which I really appreciated. And, Even though it was only in a few scenes, again, I have to give accommodation to Doug Jones. I am so heartbroken and sad for what's happening to Saru right now. He's continuously being disappointed by the actions of Michael. Ever since the first episode of Discovery, he's had to deal with Burnham's actions that affect him on a deeply personal level as well as a professional one. This week may have been one that was the worst with her disobeying his direct orders and as a result he has to reduce her back to science officer and you can see the pain in Saru's eyes and that's just another credit to Doug Jones' ability to act under all that latex to me, his promotion to captain has kind of also raised Doug and who the star of the show is, for me anyway, and I don't take that lightly. Mm-hmm. Sonequa is the star of the show, but Doug Jones seemed to be rising above what he was originally brought in for, so he's on the same level as her in my mind. Um, he's simply one of my most favorite people in the world um, and definitely is my favorite of this show. Long-range scan of planet complete. So every week, we take a good look into the Bajoran Orb of Prophecy to try and determine what the future will hold for the crew of the Discovery. We're we're usually wrong. We're almost always wrong. But every now and then, we'll get one right. So what's up next for Discovery, people? And uh, Casey, well,
1: let's start with you, pal. Well, I, I'm intrigued. I, th- I th- hope that we find out who the person is in the mask that Georgia killed that we saw in her flashback visions. Um Is it Mirror Burnham? Is it somebody completely different that we don't know? I'd really like to find out. So I think, yeah, we're going back to the future to see what's going to happen and to change something. Um, And I also think, unfortunately, for Book, Book is returning to an overflowing cat box.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well put. Um, okay. Um, I'm gonna, I'm kind of, my my uh, long-range scan is kind of along the lines of yours, buddy. Uh, we were treated to flashes of what Philip is suffering from. She's had those moments where she completely freezes or collapses. We saw the Terran Empire logo clearly. We saw a lot of blood and suffering. Um, but I think we're going to be seeing more. And I think there's going to be at least one full episode in this season where we return to the mirror universe is kind of a flashback episode that is going to show us this event in its entirety mm. as to what she has been seeing. And it's going to be a real huge moment in what happens with the character of Philippa Giorgio Bill.
2: Interesting. it's a bit of a different spin on the uh, prediction I had last week. You think we're going to go there in flashback. I think we're going there for real. So okay. we'll see what happens this week. Um, I've got a bit of a departure related to this week's episode. We've heard for a while that the the big bad in this season would be somebody we recognize or somebody that was familiar to us. And so I'm going to say that Osira, the leader of the Emerald Chain, is Michael Burnham's mom. Oh, whoa. We, we're all assuming it's an Orion because it's related to the Emerald Chain, but we haven't seen... Either Michael Burnham's mom or Osiris, and this would allow us to get a a real shocker reveal later on. Um, Hmm. That's kind of where I'm at right now. I like that. Wow. I
0: like that. And and just as a little bit of a tease, I want to call back one long-range scan that you had at the beginning of the season. Hmm. We're going to talk about what's happening next week on Discovery in a moment. But in the previews this week, there were Vulcans. And you said, mm-hmm. as a long-range scan earlier this season, that you think the Vulcans are going to be a bad guy. So that'll be very interesting to see if that comes true because we could know as as, uh, as soon as next week,
2: buddy. We could, um, and we'll find out how wrong I actually am. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, Casey, uh, you know what? What is this three weeks in a row you've been on now? So Woo-hoo. we are going to give you some uh, vacation time, and oh, you'll be with us next week. We'll be returning. <laughs> uh, we'll be welcoming Sarah back uh, to the the roundtable. But uh, what do we have coming up
1: next week, Bud? Well, next week, while grappling with the fallout of her recent actions and what our future might hold, Burnham agrees to represent the Federation in an intense debate with the about the release of politically sensitive but highly valuable Burn data. It's Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 7, Unification 3. Oh, man. Do we get some Spock? Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> So until then, remember that you can subscribe to Discovering Trek by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts,
2: or by heading to discoverytrek.com. Quick tangent. Does anybody want to take a guess on the over-under on the number of Spock references next week? Anybody? S- seven. Dan. 47. <laughs> 47. I think that's the correct answer. <laughs> Plus, now you can support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Network of podcasts by supporting us on Patreon, get access to our unedited recordings of each and every episode on the network, as well as other exclusive content. Plus, there's our annual supporters pinned from sets and our exclusive Trek Geeks Podcast Network t-shirt, along with so many other perks. We'd like to take a moment to recognize the following amazing producers of Discovering Trek, and we are so grateful for their support. Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Ken Bird, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Craig Ewing, Al Godwin, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Tony Lambast, Leonel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Just Fashion. If you'd like to become a producer of Discovering Trek
1: or even get access to the raw audio for Discovering Trek episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash trekkeeks for all the details.
0: Well, guys, I want to thank you once again uh, for steering the ship last week in my absence. You, uh, uh, the, both of you and Sarah were fantastic and I really appreciate it. Um, guys, where can people find you uh, on the um, social media
1: pages? Casey, where are you at, buddy? I am at Casey Shavsky on Twitter, and that's where you can find me hanging out with a six-pack by my side. All right. Bill?
2: Uh, On the tweets machine, I can be found at TrekGeekBill, and of course, I'm always in the uh, official Facebook group for the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, Camp Kittimer, where uh, joining is easy
0: it's very easy I mean if, if Bill can join anybody can join that's true um, I, I can be found on Twitter at Trek Geek Dan and I am also at Camp Kittimer on a daily basis it is the most positive uh, Facebook group uh, for Star Trek that you'll ever find in the quadrant so, so check it out that's going to do it this week uh, for our discussion on episode 6 Scavengers we'll Book and Burnham finally admitting their feelings for each other Burnham flung down the rank ladder and, and Philippa having some big time issues uh, that she needs to deal with Lots in this episode, setting up a great second half of the season. As always, we thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to listen to us talk about this amazing new chapter in the Star Trek universe each and every week. We wouldn't be here without your support, and we thank you so very much. We'll be back next week to discuss Unification 3, and we hope you'll join us. Until then, here are some words of wisdom from Commander Michael Burnham. Sometimes the only way to find out where you fit in is to step out of the routine. And until next week, never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek
2: is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering
0: Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson.